602 on Radio 1190 KBC Boulder, the AM Revolution. Joe Paris here in studio all by myself today. It is Solo Joe on the Wednesday edition of News Underground, Wednesday, June 3rd, 2015. It's finally gotten into the summer show where there is no co-host around for Joe, so we will test the limits of Joe Paris talking to himself for an hour. He used to be good at it. We'll see if he can still do it. Only kidding. Uh, kind of. Uh, big show today, though. A lot of uh, really interesting national notes, international notes. Uh, the big national story and international story of the day is the uh, president of FIFA, Sepp Blatter, has resigned. And we'll, well, we'll, by we'll, I mean I will talk about what that means. Uh, I know on the show last Friday and on Monday, uh, we were talking about how was he still in office as the president of FIFA after all the uh, shady dealings have been going on. If you're not a soccer fan, I will tell you that this is still really interesting um, you know, from a political perspective as well. Now we're going to see if the uh, Qatar bid is going to be compromised, the 2022 bid, I believe, is when uh, they were going to have the... Well, they are scheduled to have the uh, World Cup of Soccer in Qatar. So we will see if that is threatened at all. Because now former President Blatter uh, was one of the few people that were really gung-ho about blocking anyone from preventing the games to be there. Uh, there's been plenty of accusations, of course, about bid buying and corruption and all that stuff so stay tuned uh, that'll be the lead story in the national segment locally though uh interesting weather day since about one o'clock this afternoon there's actually been a uh weather warning here in boulder for a tornado so all day people have been looking up at the sky wondering if we're going to have a tornado um i will say i spent a lot of my afternoon over at kit field here at the University of Colorado, I was playing a little bit of lacrosse with some some friends, and it was a it was a good time. Weather was perfect, overcast, uh, definitely for sure. But uh, yeah, there's a I mean, still right now there is a tornado warning in effect till 9 p.m. So I guess keep an eye on the sky. Uh, I also know that there's some you know, there's some dark clouds just looming, always looming. So we'll see uh, we'll see if it holds. You're tuning into Radio 1190 KVC Boulder, the AM Revolution. Joe Paris here. I am buying myself some time because I'm trying to fix the headphones here on the desk. There we go. Looks like I finally got the plug-in going. All right, let's do the weather. Uh, right now in Boulder, 73 degrees Fahrenheit. Again, there is a tornado warning in effect, tornado watch in effect here in Boulder County till 9 p.m. local time. But other than that, uh, we are expecting some severe thunderstorms here in the late afternoon, uh, really into the early morning of uh, Thursday. We're going to expect some precipitation, some thunderstorms. Uh, tonight, a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Mainly before 11 p.m., there will be some slight showers throughout the early a.m. hours of Thursday, though. Uh, into Thursday, however, a 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon. There will actually be a little bit of fog in the morning around 8, 9 a.m., so maybe you're driving into work uh, you could have a little bit of fog otherwise though it should be a uh, pretty sunny day high near 81 a little bit of wind in the afternoon looking into thursday night 30 percent chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly before midnight mostly cloudy with a low around 52 and some wind uh categorized as calm in the evening on thursday night i know my roommate right now is out on the back door 
back deck uh, grilling. It's perfect grill weather, as he said. Um, we'll, we'll see, though, because, again, those thunderstorms are going to be moving here into Boulder County uh, imminently. On to the local news. The According to the Boulder Sheriff, there was an incident here this afternoon. The Boulder County Sheriff's Office is searching for a suspect that witnesses said pulled a gun during an argument with a roommate before taking off in a U-Haul truck. The incident occurred just before noon today at a residence near the intersection of U.S. 287 and Isabel Road. Uh, Commander... Heidi Prentup of the Boulder Sheriff's Office said that dispatchers received a call that the suspect, a suspect got into an argument with a roommate regarding a property dispute while moving out. Uh, Commander Prentup said it is not yet clear when the suspect pulled out the gun. The suspect did, however, flee the scene south on U.S. 287 in a U-Haul moving truck before deputies could arrive on the scene. Prentup also added that officials are still looking for the suspect. They do not know where he may be headed. Uh, there were three people in the house at the time of the incident, but no injuries have been reported. The summertime is always a time in Boulder that the mass amounts of bikers increase because of the nice weather. I'd say that Boulder on average, I don't have the number in front of me, but I'd say Boulder as a city probably has one of the higher uh, percentages of people that use their bicycles to get around town opposed to public transit or uh, their cars. And it looks like this summer, four major streets in the city of Boulder will actually be losing vehicle lanes to make room for some new wider bike lanes and buffers in between the lanes. Because I know that there are some places in Boulder County where that bike lane is right on top of uh, the car lane. And if you're in either lane, you sometimes cringe as you are passing each other, hoping you don't accidentally nick each other. Uh, the city transportation planners say this rising, uh, right-sizing effort will make bike travel safer and more appealing for older people, women, and families with children. Um, these are groups that ride less now, uh, while having only a small effect on travel times in reducing car crashes. This pilot program is planned for Folsom Street between Arapahoe Avenue and Valmont Road, for Iris Avenue between Broadway and Folsom, for 55th between Arapahoe and Pearl Parkway, and for 63rd Street between uh, Gun Barrel Avenue and Nitalis Ride and Lookout Road. Uh, each of these streets sees between 15,000 and 20,000 vehicles every day along the segments and has really good potential as a bike corridor and a collision rate that makes some experimentation make sense. Um, each street will go from four car lanes, two in each direction, to one lane in each direction with a center shared turn lane. Uh, the loss or the repurposing of the vehicle lanes will allow a seven-foot-wide bike lane compared to the current five-and-a-half lane that we have now, and uh, the buffers will now range from three to ten feet. Um, Boulder Senior Transportation Planner David Kemp said the street design followed the national best practices and should reduce car crashes from people being rear-ended as they wait in the travel lane to turn left and from people turning from side streets across four lanes of traffic. But major goal for these projects, which are actually right now in phase two of a living laboratory initiative that started back in 2013, is to get more people from outside the young fit male demographic, as they say, that makes up the majority 
of cyclists to make room for uh, a different demographic of bikers. The city's transportation master plan set a goal of 30% of trips made by bike, a goal that is being called by some very aggressive but achievable. Uh, the products are just a test right now. They'll be evaluated next year, just as phase one projects installed two years ago are being evaluated right now, and they might be changed or expanded or nixed, uh, depending on what the surveys say. So if you're a bicyclist, uh, I guess some some good news, you're going to get a little bit more room on these certain areas. And if you're a car driver that doesn't ever go on to the bicycle lane, I know there's a lot of frustration among some older drivers that never use the bike lanes. They're probably just going to be annoyed. If you want to go, however, and hear more about the Transportation Advisory Board meeting, you can go 6 p.m. on Monday at the Boulder Municipal Building. And if you want more information about these Living Lab projects, you can go online to www.bouldercolorado.gov backslash go boulder backslash bicycle living laboratory and i think these living laboratories are really interesting interesting there is actually one on campus um over behind mackie it's the parking where they have everyone attempt to back into the spaces and you have to be able to uh, parallel park pretty well to go back and do that uh i i'll say that i was not very good at it the first few times but with a little bit of practice i actually can now back into a spot pretty pretty darn good so you're welcome <laughs> All right. Uh, the Boulder Food Park cleared a major hurdle back on Tuesday night when the city council unanimously approved an ordinance that is creating a waiver process to allow new and existing food trucks within 150 feet of brick-and-mortar restaurants to operate. The buffer zone became part of Boulder's food truck regulations to protect restaurants from competition with much lower uh, overhead. The partners behind the Boulder Food Park idea sought the exemption for the 150-foot buffer because the property at 2775 Valmont Road and the entrepreneurs hope to rent um, is actually behind the Tai Sioux house on the 28th Street marker and the Tai Shi House management does not object to the Boulder Food Park idea. Uh, the Boulder Food Park is envisioned as a food truck park where patrons could buy meals from a variety of food trucks, order beer or wine from an indoor bar, and eat inside or outside possibly while enjoying live music or playing games in the park area. The ordinance allows city manager Jane Bradigam to grant a waiver if the restaurant owner doesn't object. The ordinance is restricted to the BC-1 commercial zone uh, to work within the existing regulations Utility structure that governs food trucks. Tai Chi House would not provide a letter supporting a waiver for every individual food truck that plans to operate at the Boulder Food Park, and that waiver would need to be renewed every year when the food truck renews its business license. I think that Boulder is a perfect place for a food truck park. People love their food here. They love their variety of cuisine. They like trying new things. I know down in Denver, in some areas where the food trucks. Um, are able to operate they're very popular and it i mean it's a viable business option for uh, cuisine makers and restaurant owners i know there are a few restaurants that actually sent out food trucks to have their brand of food across the city so exciting times i know that i've talked with uh, graduates of the university of colorado from about a decade ago that said they had come up with these elaborate plans when they graduated to have food trucks over up on the hill on friday and saturday nights to cater to the inebriated folks that are wandering around the hill but due to regulations they're never able to pull the trigger on that but they know i mean how popular that would be i mean imagine if you're up on the hill 
or I know this is going away from the actual food truck park that I just mentioned, but you know, the idea of having a food truck, um, you know, legally being able to operate up on the hill late on you know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights would be great for business, and it'd be, you know, it'd be safe, I think, to have an option for people that are drinking to go get some actual food and maybe get some water, hopefully not more beer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's no secret if you've been drinking a lot, a good thing to try and sober you up is to eat a little bit. So I've always been a big fan of maybe having the food trucks, uh, having a, maybe a seasonal permit or something like that. I know that with the narrow roads up in Boulder, up on the hill, it is sometimes difficult to have those types of food truck options, but yeah, just, enough, just a thought. It's actually talked with, off the top of my head, I can name five or six different people who are graduates of the University of Colorado that wanted to launch that idea and uh, just, just couldn't pull the trigger because of the the laws that are here locally. Some other news, um, an update on the James Holmes trial. I believe we're on day 24 now, uh, and James Holmes is now reflected in uh you know a video interview that was played in court james holmes um says that he had called a crisis hotline for help before he entered the uh century theater in aurora and um shot and killed 12 people and he said that he actually lingered outside the cinema for what he called a moment or two and actually called a mental health hotline he also says that he thought the fbi could have stopped him uh, his phone calls to the crisis line were actually disconnected of course the fbi did not um come and assist uh holmes is again on trial for carrying out the deadliest shooting really uh in the past decade in the united states um back in june 2012 he's pleaded not guilty by reason of mental insanity or defects prosecutors say holmes was sane at the time of the shooting and are again seeking the death penalty but defense attorneys claim that uh Holmes suffered from schizophrenia, which distorted his ability to tell the difference between right and wrong, and that he should not receive the death penalty, but instead be sent to a state and mental hospital. Um, two state-appointed psychiatrists uh, deemed Holmes legally sane but mentally ill at the time of the shooting. Um, Holmes said again in a video, at that point, I was, I'm was i on autopilot. And when she was being interviewed by psychiatrist Dr. William Reed, he said that he doubted he could be talked out of it, but called the hotline as one last chance to see if he could turn back uh when the phone call was disconnected he said he knew he was uh he was going to really happen uh mr holmes told reed he would be remembered as a bad guy and he accomplished what he set out to do in the video that was played in court holmes showed a lot of rational thinking according to dr reed um yeah, Holmes also said he was not using drugs in the weeks before the attacks. So some interesting things coming out of the Arapahoe County Justice Center uh, from the trial of James Holmes. I know there's been a lot of questions over the last few years, you know, very detailed questions, and now we're starting to get some answers. Um, will the prosecution succeed in getting the death penalty? It'll be very difficult, um, especially after the psychiatrist de deemed him mentally ill at the time of the attack. And you know, I know we've talked about it on this show for a number of years now, but um, it—I mean—that jury—that's a tough decision for that jury to make. I know, and it's very hard. I mean, obviously, you have a jury that isn't supposed to be biased, but it's hard for anyone that lives in the Arapahoe County area to not remember the horror and tragedy of the Aurora shooting back in 2012. So, uh, again, day 24 of that trial and we will stick with it as it proceeds.
Some other local news, uh, the city of Boulder is going to do some developing and inventory of all trash cans on city-owned and controlled properties, and they are planning to now add recycling and compost bins to all uh, city-owned and controlled properties. The city is taking this step after city council adopted an ordinance requiring commercial and multifamily residential properties to provide recycling and composting services. Property owners will have one year to provide these service to tenants, and businesses will have 15 months to train employees and provide bins to separate various kinds of waste. Boulder local environmental action manager Kara Mertz said her team is planning meetings with various city departments and business districts to determine who manages trash cans on public property and how the cost for new bins will be allocated. Uh, the city, however, has every intention of complying with the same rule. It's set for private property. Um, Mertz also added that, quote, we have every intention of walking the talk. Uh, everything, anything that is on city property will be converted. The intent of this ordinance is that wherever you see a trash can, you also have an opportunity to recycle or compost. Police are monitoring a shoplifting suspect who is currently holed up with a gun in a home in Greenwood Village, Colorado. No other people are in the home, according to uh, police on Wednesday evening. The incident began uh, around 1.45 p.m. this afternoon when Aurora police responded to a shoplifting incident at a Walmart on Hampton Avenue down in Aurora. When police arrived, the suspect was fleeing in a Lexus. Police haven't determined whether the vehicle was stolen. Police followed the Lexus to a nearby light rail station on Dayton Avenue, where the suspect ditched the car and took off on foot. Witnesses at the light rail station said the suspect appeared to have a gun, so police continued to chase him. When the suspect entered a Greenwood Village home, uh, the city's agency took over. The suspect somehow got inside the home on the 4200 block of South Alton Street. A nine-year-old boy was inside the home at the time. Um... Wounded Village Police Chief John Jackson said that the boy saw the suspect, was confused how he got in, and called the police, who instructed him to get out into the front yard. The boy went outside to meet up with his mother and was unharmed. The suspect shot through the garage door of the home but did not injure anyone. Police did not know whether the boy was still in the home when the suspect shot. Police did not return fire, according to Jackson. Uh, the suspect remains inside the home at this time. Uh, the last update I saw on this story was... Uh, Right as we got off, right as we got on the air, about six fifteen. So um, at this time, it appears that um, that the suspect is conversing nearly every five minutes with uh, local police, and they says that he wants to speak with a family member. Police said they are willing to let that happen as long as the suspect comes out peacefully. Um, we'll see where this develops. Hopefully, it does not have a tragic ending. It doesn't sound like. Um, from what I've read, uh, different tweets and different articles here in the last hour, that this is a dangerous situation. It sounds like it's just um, one that needs to be dealt with here. There's no one in danger um, aside from, of course, the man inside the home is a danger to himself, I'd say. But other than that, again, no one in the home. A local UPS driver was is now recovering after a pit bull mauling at a Denver apartment complex. A UPS driver is recovering after he was viciously attacked by two pit bulls at a southeast Denver condominium complex. Ed Klein was delivering a package Thursday at the Woodstream Falls um, condominium on East Islip Avenue when he was attacked. 
Klein said, I saw insides of my body and I didn't want to see. It looked like the railroad built train tracks all over my arm. Klein had 80 to 90 stitches in his arm after last week's attack and had one of the dog bites through his shoe and actually broke his foot. Uh, He said in a statement to ABC News down in Denver, I'm backing away and all of a sudden the black one just lunges right at me. So I try to fend him off like this. You know, I'm trying to get him back. Um, The little brown one, he says, one got a hold of me over here. I all I see is a little dude coming right at me with his eyes and you know just yellow vicious eyes um, and a couple nearby came to climb's aid and helped him to safety before calling 911 he said he wants to reunite with the couple and says thank you for saving his life seven news reporter Lindsay Watts spoke to one of the rescuers on Tuesday of this week he wants to remain anonymous for now but said I hope if I was in the same situation someone would do the same for me um, Yikes, a little bit of a scary situation down in Denver. And if you look at dog attacks across the city, um, Denver, Colorado actually comes in at number six nationally for 2014 numbers with uh, 40 dog attacks uh, in the 2014 year. So Denver is in the top 10 of that category. In case you were wondering, Los Angeles, California came in at number one with 74 uh, dog attacks in the year 2014. Now, in the survey and the statistics I'm looking at, I can't see, uh, you know, the sorting of which dogs were the perpetrators. But, you know, pit bulls are very dangerous dogs. Uh, I was watching a show, actually. I think it was actually on an airplane. and It was a show about um, breeding pit bulls and you know a lot of them even if you breed them to be non-violent creatures there's just some of them are hardwired to attack and have a very aggressive mentality and they're um they can be very dangerous animals but at the same time i don't want everyone to think that every pit bull out there is dangerous uh, there are definitely dangerous pit bulls out there but just like humans there are some people that are more prone to aggressive behaviors and some people that are not and uh, good thing that this UPS guy, though, is uh, doing all right. I watched a few videos, actually, and saw the gash, and it is it is not good to see. 6.23 p.m. on Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder. Solo Joe here on Wednesday night. Actually, mm, there's only a few of us here at the station right now. Colton O'Connor, our uh, engineer, is here actually working, so it was nice to not be completely alone. No one likes being alone. Uh, anyway, some other local news here. There is some um, mosquito spraying that is scheduled for today near Alex and Michael's Pond over in Broomfield. Colorado Mosquito Control is going to be spraying for mosquitoes tonight as part of Broomfield's annual mosquito control program. The company will spray near Alex and Michael's Pond in the Westlake neighborhood, an area where high mosquito numbers are common because of the marshy terrain. The spraying, which actually uh, will start It started back at 5 p.m. as part of the annual Broomfield's Mosquito Monitoring Program, which keeps track of its mosquito populations using traps set up in problem location where water and other factors attract the insects. Uh, Rob Kozar, who is the operations manager at Colorado Mosquito Control, said the company has traps set up through Broomfield County. uh, Broomfield City, excuse me, to monitor uh, mosquito populations and a trap um, has more than 100 mosquitoes. Crews were going to go in and spray insecticide. Um, the company also might add a larvicide to standing water. Larvicide only kills mosquito larvae, he said. Um, there are some tips from mosquito control officials about how to defend yourself. They are called the four Ds, and I'm going to read them to you right now. So the four Ds to defend yourself against mosquitoes are the following. D1, drain standing water around the house weekly since it's where mosquitoes lay eggs. 
Look around places such as tires, cans, flower pots, clogged rain gutters, rain barrels, toys, and puddles. Try and uh, go and get rid of that water. So after a rainstorm, if you've got, you know, buckets in your backyard or maybe some toys or something that will catch water, maybe go and empty that out into the grass. Um, the second D is called Dusk and Dawn, and Dusk and Dawn are when mosquitoes that carry viruses are most active, so limit outdoor activities at those times or take precautions to prevent mosquito bites. D number three is DEET. DEET is an effective ingredient to look for in insect repellents. Always follow the label instructions and reapply as instructed. I know that uh, our local King Super City Market carries a wide variety of insect repellents and they have some good ones that it contain DEET that are actually waterproof so if you want to go outside and sweat or go on a hike you should go get some waterproof DEET um, and finally the fourth D is dress in long sleeves and pants during dawn and dusk or in areas where mosquitoes are active I know it is very hot during the summer months but um, these little buggers are very dangerous growing up I actually had a friend that was bit and got uh, West Nile virus she became very sick she uh, was okay eventually but these mosquitoes I know they're small and annoying but some of them can be deadly so um, you know most of us just get annoyed with the stupid bites and the itching but uh, be careful I mean take it seriously I had a friend last year that uh, got sick from a mosquito bite he, I don't, he didn't have West Nile but he was he got infected and it was gross and you don't really you don't want to hear about it so and if you're wondering in 2014 there was actually one person in Broomfield who uh, did contract an illness from mosquito bite they survived um, in 2013, six Broomfield residents were stricken with illnesses, but again, there was no deaths. And if you uh, think there's a lot of mosquitoes in your area and maybe in your local neighborhood, uh, you can give a call to uh, the Mosquito Hotline at 303-428-5908. And you can also find out about updates on spraying operations. To the national and international news, 627 here on Radio 1190 KVCU Boulder. On Monday, we talked at le- well Monday and Friday's edition of the show. We talked at length about the uh, the saga of the corruption of FIFA, and we again identified uh, the officials from FIFA and actually media companies that were conspiring and doing bad things with money and. No one wants to hear that from a soccer league, the arguably the biggest sports league in the entire world, FIFA. And a very surprising development uh, earlier this week, Sepp Blatter, who had been the president since 1998 of FIFA, um, a term that has seen tumultuous and illegal operations uh, occur, is finally coming to an end as the most powerful well the former most powerful man in the governing body of sports of fifa actually uh resigned he stunned everyone by saying he was quitting uh after being re-elected earlier this week on wednesday bladder staff gave him a standing ovation as he spoke for the last time as president of fifa um as the ripples of the scandal 
come across Europe to Africa to the Middle East to the United States. The embattled president showed up for work at FIFA's headquarters in Zurich, where FIFA spokeswoman Delia Fischer said he met with staff and received their applause as he told them he was resigning. Uh, back on May 27th, you may remember, uh, Swiss police raided a hotel in Switzerland on the eve of FIFA's annual conference and arrested seven soccer officials who were among 14 current and former sports and marketing officials indicted by United States authorities on bribery, vote rigging, and other corruption charges. Uh, in a separate investigation, Swiss authorities seized documents at FIFA headquarters in their probe into the bidding contest for the 2018 uh, World Cup in Russia and 2022 World Cup in uh, Qatar. Uh, the 79-year-old former president has not been officially implicated so far in any of the investigations, and he, uh, he won his re-election to a fifth four-year term back on Friday during the FIFA Congress meeting, but four days later he announced that he would resign and call for a new election to find a successor in a process that could take up to a year. So um, I know that the uh, Prince Ali of Jordan is... A, there's actually betting odds out right now that you can... I'm not sure if you can where you would want to do this, but there are betting odds on who the next FIFA president is going to be. And as uh, we talked about with uh, Liam and Jared on Friday, Prince Ali of Jordan has got a three to two chance right now to become the next president of FIFA. He actually had run against Blatter um, in the last election. Of course, Blatter went on to win that one, but uh, we'll see if Prince Ali is going to get his second chance here and come away with the new presidency of FIFA, a organization that desperately needs uh, a new direction and leadership and needs to try and hopefully try and rebrand themselves as a less corrupt business. And some other news. It's been quiet on this show um, on the ISIS front in the Middle East. Not really any notable incidents in the last few weeks. Uh, of course, when ISIS was beheading journalists, it was all over the news. Um, for whatever reason, that has slowed down. But um, some new numbers have come out about the United States' war against ISIS. Um, according to CNN in Paris, the U.S.-led coalition against ISIS has recorded more than 10,000 ISIS deaths since the campaign against the group began less than a year ago. Uh, this is all according to U.S. Deputy Secretary of State Tony Blinken. Blinken's remarks came in an interview on France Intra Radio, and on Tuesday, after the coalition members joined Iraqi Prime Minister Haider al-Abdah for a conference in Paris, they assessed uh, the progress in the campaign and what the damage has been on both sides so far. Uh, when he was asked whether Iraqi forces backed by the coalition were capable of standing up to ISIS, Blinken said they could. In a statement, he said, indeed, when you act against a force like Daesh, there, which a terrorist force with a totalitarian ideology that does not fear death we recorded an enormous loss more than 10,000 since the campaign started and this will eventually have an effect um, Daesh is another name for ISIS that is widely used by European and Arab allies and is uh, despised by the terrorist group. They don't like being called that. U.S. authorities have been wary of stating publicly how many ISIS militants are thought to have been killed since the campaign began. U.S. Ambassador to Iraq Stuart Jones told Al Arabiya Television back in January that an estimated 6,000 fighters had been killed um, at that point. But uh, speaking to reporters afterwards, the uh, then-Pentagon spokesman, um, Adam John Kirby, was adamant that the United States was not keeping a body count and said it could be wrong to state that there is such a count. 
He said he called he called the count more of a tally and said that the notion of a body count suggests Vietnam War era statistics. And of course, in that war, the Pentagon offered body counts as a measure of its success against the Viet Cong. Um, That backfired big time. Some people do compare this ISIS, uh, quote-unquote, police action to Vietnam. I actually read a really interesting article, I believe it was on Gawker, about the uh, parallels between um, the Viet Cong operations and the ISIS operations. Of course, they're two totally different groups, but um, it's interesting to always compare and contrast things like that, especially in an academic environment. I'm sure of the student demographics listening at home, plenty of us have compared and contrasted uh, our fair share of things over the years. So there's there's an interesting one. If you're looking to write a paper in the fall, compare and contrast the Viet Cong to ISIS. Uh, nationally here, a, on the terror forefront, a knife-wielding man was killed by terror investigators today in Boston. And the investigators said they had this man under surveillance. And when they confronted him because he had bought knives and talked of an imminent attack on the quote-unquote boys in blue... A.K.A. the police, um, according to the FBI today. Usama Rahim plotted for at least a week to attack police, according to the FBI, and in a complaint to them against a family member who was arrested Tuesday, um, the day Rahim was shot to death, so yesterday. Uh, Today, though, the relative David Wright was ordered, held on a charge of conspiracy with a... intent to obstruct a federal investigation. The FBI said Rahim, who had previously discussed beheadings, bought three fighting knives and a sharpener on or before May 26th of this year, and he told Wright on Tuesday he would begin trying to randomly kill police officers. An anti-terror task force of the FBI's agents and Boston police faced with what they believed was an imminent threat, confronted Rahim on a sidewalk and fatally shot him to death when he refused to drop his knives. An affidavit written by an FBI agent assigned to Boston's Joint Terrorism Task Force referred to a recorded conversation between Rahim and Wright in which Wright made a comparison to, quote-unquote, thinking with your head on your chest. The FBI said he was a reference to the uh, Islamic State propaganda video showing several um, beheadings of journalists and Christian missionaries on the chests of beheading victims. The FBI affidavit also said that Rahim initially told Wright about a plan to behead someone outside Massachusetts, and on Sunday, Rahim, Wright, and another unidentified man met on a beach in Rhode Island to discuss their plans, according to the FBI. Um, Authorities searched a home in Warwick, Rhode Island, on Tuesday and Wednesday, but wouldn't confirm the search was related to the investigation. They also won't confirm now Rahim and Wright are related. So, doing a good job over in Boston on the terror forefront. Uh, Back to Europe. European news. Uh, The Ukraine crisis is still going on as heavy fighting rages on near Donsik, despite a truce that actually has been tallied up. Uh, Fierce fighting has continued uh, between Ukrainian government forces and pro-Russian rebels in eastern Ukraine, according to officials of both sides. The clashes, which are said to involve heavy artillery and tanks, took place in Marinka and Krasinovarika outside the rebel-held city of Donsik. There are reports of multiple injuries in the towns held by the Ukrainian army. Uh, Ukraine has accused the rebels of launching a full-scale offensive attack in violation of the truce that is in place right now. Um, 
Um, the separatists are saying that that is not the case. Uh, BBC's Tom Berger near Marinka described the fighting as the heaviest since the ceasefire was signed back in February. Clashes between government troops and the rebels have recently intensified along the line of separation. The Ukrainian government, Western leaders in NATO all say there is a clear evidence that the Russian government is helping the rebels in the issue and they are supplying them with heavy weapons and shoulders and there are also some independent experts that are echoing that uh, accusation. Moscow however, is of course denying this, insisting that any Russian serving with the rebels are volunteers. More than 6,400 people have been killed in fighting in eastern Ukraine. Um, That fighting began back in April 2014, when rebels seized a large part of the two eastern regions in Ukraine. This is uh, followed by what was the annexation of Crimea by Russia. Um, In other developments there, two civilians were killed by mortar fire in Ukraine-held part of uh, Luhansk region, and uh, rebels say 15 people were killed on the territory that they controlled. Back domestically, the United States anthrax scale has widened to 51 labs in 17 different states. That's right, more than 50 labs here in 17 states across the United States, and Three foreign countries have also uh, been mailed samples of a live anthrax sample. According to the Pentagon, the announcement today doubled the number of incidents in the U.S. A smaller number of shipments were revealed last week. Uh, Staff members at some of the labs have been treated for anthrax exposure as a precaution. No one at this point, though, has been uh, reported ill. The Pentagon has mainstayed there is no risk of the general public with the mailing of the live samples of anthrax. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention is leading the investigation of the incidents. U.S. Defense official Robert Wark told reporters that the number of affected laboratories is expected to continue to rise. Experts in biosafety have heavily criticized the lapse and called for improved precautions. Symptoms of anthrax exposure include skin ulcers, nausea, vomiting, and fever, and of course can cause death um, if untreated. The military has ordered all of its labs that have previously received inactive anthrax samples to test them. In addition, it is advising all labs to cease working with these samples until told otherwise. Pentagon officials also say that there is no sign the live samples were sent due to any deliberate action, just a simple error, quote-unquote. The samples were mailed from a Utah Army facility by a commercial post to laboratories over the past 10 years. In addition to U.S. labs, samples have also been sent to Australia, Canada, and South Korea. Uh, If you don't remember what anthrax is, it made headlines back in 2001 when... uh, a lone wolf well it's actually never been fully determined but it is believed that some lone wolf terrorism operation um acquired the anthrax virus and uh kind of sent it to a few i think senators or senators or congress representatives um but, yeah, anthrax is a bacteria that lives primarily in inactive spores and can be found naturally in the soil, actually. Um, but people can't actually ingest or inhale the spores, which makes um, anthrax active. Uh, I, don't know, I have a very limited understanding on how spores and bacteria work. So if you believe you might be exposed to anthrax, however, you can take a blood culture test that can um, 
confirm that. And here we go. Right in front of me, I've pulled up now. Anthrax entered the U.S. national consciousness in 2001 when shortly after 9-11 attacks, which were actually letters containing powdered anthrax, uh, arrived to news organizations and to the offices of a couple U.S. senators. 22 people were sickened, and of those, five people were killed. That according to the FBI anthrax investigation report. 641 on Radio 1190, KBC Boulder, the AM Revolution News Underground with Joe Paris. Solo Joe here on a Wednesday night. Um, thank you for tuning in. I also know this podcast, well, this show will be available as a podcast on the iTunes Store. Um, thank you to all of you that have sent me uh, nice emails and tweets about um, listening to the show on demand via iTunes. We will continue to do so as long as uh, things go well. Keeps everyone accountable here in the news and sports department. We love being able to have our show live, but even better on demand. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if you ever come across anything in one of the shows you have any questions about, please feel free to send me an email, joe at radio1190.org. On the tech side, all of you Macintosh users, beware. Some Apple Macs have a particularly terrible flaw that has now been found to allow hackers to sneak in and remain undetected, according to a new security researcher. This means a hacker could, from anywhere in the world, force a Mac into a coma. Uh, Personal, corporate, or government Macs could be spied on in a way that even the best security checks wouldn't discover until it was unfortunately too late. Sarah Edwards, who is a forensic analyst at the Sands Institute, who specializes in reviewing computers for evidence of hacks, said, This is scary. I would never see this. There could be funky stuff going on in the computer system, and I would never know why. Um, What makes this particular virus so unique and bad well it's a computer bug that runs especially deep into the machine um all computers have some kind of basic input output system what is called um bios b-i-o-o-b-i-o-s in all caps and this core program that brings a machine to life is something that should never ever be tampered with by anyone except like a, an expert that is specifically looking to do something to a computer and it should obviously remain heavily guarded it's like you know the centrifuge of your computer um but macintoshes that were purchased one year ago or before apparently left a back door open which allows access to the bios to hackers um when a mac goes into sleep mode and wakes back up it all it all it allows direct access to the bios and it's a weird quirk that could allow someone to break into the code and mess up with it there um and that's what was discovered recently by pedro viaca who is a curious independent computer researcher in portugal and he revealed this vulnerability publicly during a blog post last friday he also told cnn he alerted apple directly soon thereafter Um, Apple did not respond to the question about this flaw, nor would it say what it plans to do to fix it. Um, Several cybersecurity experts confirmed to CNN that there is a real problem here and that they plan to research further into it in the next few weeks. Um, They are saying, officials are saying, this isn't an easy hack. Um, An attacker first needs administrative access to a machine, but... What this means is that if a Mac gets hacked with a low-level computer virus, it can 
buried so deep that you'll never be able to find it, and it can just absolutely terrorize the uh, computer. So I know that there's a common misconception that Macintosh computers can't get viruses, um, but that's that's not true. Yeah, there's definitely a way to do that. 6.44 here on Radio 1190 KBC Boulder. Thanks for tuning in. Um, do you want to get to the Stanley Cup playoffs here in the next few minutes? Game one between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Tampa Bay Lightning is uh, currently underway. I believe they're probably in the first period steal. They are. Tampa Bay leads one nothing in the first period over Chicago. We'll get to that uh, momentarily. A few, uh, few interesting items here. First, here's a good one. Um, a local teacher in Land Lakes, Florida, has been suspended for blocking student cell phones. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. A Florida science teacher has been suspended for running a signal jammer to prevent his students from using their cell phones during class. A CBS Tampa affiliate reports that Dean Liptak was trying to get students to focus on lessons instead of their cell phones. School board members in Pasco County approved Liptak's five-day unpaid suspension on Tuesday. Liptak did not contest the decision. Officials say Liptak activated his jammer in the high school classroom from March 31st through April 2nd. He later told a school district investigator he had never intended to cause problems. He said he thought the jammer were allowed as long as they weren't intended for malicious purposes. The district says uh, Verizon chose not to prosecute him. Superintendent Kurt Browning wrote in a reprimand letter that LipTac had potentially violated federal law and that signal jamming could have potentially interfered with someone trying to call 911 during an emergency. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, a, a, bold, a bold maneuver by a science teacher trying to basically have a signal blocker in his classroom so that kids would pay attention. Um, unfortunately, that is a federal crime. That is against the law. You cannot jam cell service or anything like that. I give him credit, though. I mean, that is a pretty creative way to do that, and it's also something that he might have been doing without... If he hadn't... I don't know how he got caught. I read two versions of the article, and I couldn't figure out on either one how he was actually caught... But um, that's something that could fly under the radar because, you know, if you just can't get cell service in a classroom, you'd be like, well, there's just no cell service in here. But, that, I mean, it could be dangerous. I'm not sure how wide the jammer uh, had a signal reach to. But give the guy credit. That's, that was pretty creative. Science teacher. That's like some Walter White stuff there. So there you go. All righty. Let's see. Here's a good one. A United States teen set up a fake drinking and driving checkpoint and has been busted for his vigilantic justice. Police say that a man was arrested for setting up a DUI roadblock and was actually, he was, he was drunk himself. Logan Shallis, age 19, parked his car diagonally across a Pennsylvania road and set up a road flare and began stopping cars and asking for drivers' paperwork. When the real police arrived, he tried to handcuff, hand off a pellet gun to a driver, saying, I can't get caught with this. Uh, he is now facing a long list of criminal charges, including... Um, drinking and driving other charges include impersonating an officer unlawful detention harassment and reckless endangerment police say he was found on saturday slurring his speech and had bloodshot eyes he also had a pair of handcuffs and a portable police scanner with him he is actually currently being held in jail where he awaits trial i don't 
even know how the the logic in that head how do you get to the point where you're drunk and you think you're gonna go set up your own dui checkpoint i i mean if you wanted to, I, when i first read the you know the headline i assumed you know the headline was teen busted for setting up his own dui checkpoint it's like oh that's pretty noble you know a local person's trying to just make sure people are safe but when you you know read into the context of the article that the guy was drunk himself and he was 19 so he's underage uh what what's that what's the thought process there i don't know i really wish i could ask him i mean he's in jail and he's in florida but it's like how drunk do you have to get to think it's a good idea to go start a your own dui checkpoint maybe you thought i'm so drunk myself i can only imagine how other people are feeling i gotta stop these people hmm <laughs> carrying a pellet gun though and police handcuffs with him was not good impersonating a police officer is not not funny business some entertainment news uh, according to reports from IGN, Disney may be considering an Obi-Wan Kenobi film trilogy. Uh, more rumors of future Star Wars films and content have surfaced today, shortly after uh, we found out that there's a possibility of a Han Solo and Boba Fett uh, series coming out in the what would be the second Star Wars film that will be part of the new trilogy. Um, reports now are coming in that some leaked information heard in the Disney halls about the entertainment giant being in negotiation with Ewan McGregor to reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi could result in a new trilogy featuring the Star Wars legend. Speculation is suggesting that these films would take place in between the prequels and the original trilogy, during in which time, of course, Obi-Wan was guarding over Luke Skywalker as he grew into a Jedi. Um, it should be noted, however, that this has not been confirmed and it's just one of the many rumors running around with what disney is planning to do with their star wars cinematic universe that they're trying to evolve on um in december star wars will once again reach theaters with the release of star wars the force awakens which is actually of course being directed by jj abrams and the force awakens will debut on december 18th 2015 so uh go ahead and uh, circle Circle that day with a big red circle. That'll be a good one. I actually think that might be the one of the first days or close to winter break. I really hope that's not finals week because I don't. I mean, I know that school's important, but you know, Star Wars is pretty important too. How important? Very important. Six fifty one on Radio eleven ninety KVCU Boulder. Really quickly, I just wanted to touch on a new reality show that CBS is putting out. Um, Today, CBS is going to air the first episode of their new series called The Briefcase. And you might have seen some press on this show about how messed up it is. But, you know, in short, this new show is going to follow struggling American families who, in, you know, in the storyline of the show, the context of the show, are all of a sudden given a briefcase with $101,000 in it. And at that point, they have a choice. They can keep all the money for themselves or they can give some or all of the money to another needy family that, in the storyline of the show, um, you know, they, they explain the hardships that the people are going through. Um, in a promotional video trailer was put out by the network, you can see the, like, the montage of families that are each explaining, like, what's going on with their hardships before, um, you know, in, in the show they're presented with, a briefcase with $101,000 in 
only to have to figure out if they want to share this money with another family that is struggling. And the entire plot of the show is actually inspired by a 1986 episode of The Twilight Zone called the, uh, it's called Button Button. And um, real quickly, if, just, if, if you don't watch The Twilight Zone, you've never seen The Twilight Zone, it's available on Netflix right now. Um, it will throw some people off because the series is in black and white, but I watch it, um, I watch it once in a while. It is a really incredible show. Like early, you know, early black and white TV. Some people who say, you oh, I can't watch it. It's in black and white. But if you can sit through some black and white TV, go find The Twilight Zone. Uh, the first four seasons are on Netflix. But, um, yeah, the the plot for this episode of The Twilight Zone has now been adapted. Um, it's also interesting that the Button Button was actually first published in Playboy as a short story. So you're talking about some of the greatest literature of all time. You go look at Playboy magazine. You read it for the article, right? Right. You're doing into Radio 1190 KVC Boulder, the AM Revolution. Um, it's sports time. We'll do a little bit of sports. The NHL Stanley Cup Finals are underway. Game one right now. Uh, first period action. The Tampa Bay Lightning are leading one nothing over the Chicago Blackhawks with under five to go in the first period. Uh, flip that on NBC, which is Channel 9 here locally if you have Comcast. And um, actually, all the entire Stanley Cup playoffs has been available online on NBC Sports Extra. And I applaud NBC for doing that. I mean, it's been really cool to, you know, if you just have your laptop or your tablet to be able to watch, um, in my opinion, what is the greatest sports spectacle of the year. I think the NHL playoffs have the most exciting series the most fun storylines i mean obviously i'm a huge hockey fan so i'm gonna think that anyways but uh yeah the storyline really this year for the stanley cup finals tampa bay a smaller market team in florida uh you say oh there's hockey in florida yeah well you're darn right there's hockey in florida tampa bay uh one of those teams that kind of ebbs and flows they were in a stanley cup they won a stanley cup not too long ago early 2000s and they you know they had some down years they got some good draft picks and now they're led by steven stamkos uh ben bishop who's a goaltender for that squad is actually a local kid he grew up in denver colorado and on the other side though is the stanley cup dynasty the premier prize fighter alongside Los Angeles Kings, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. And we'll talk about the NBA Finals more on Friday, but the same thing really, well, a little bit different than the NBA Finals. Uh, the big team, the big market team in Chicago, I mean, they've, they're an original six team. They have all the talent in the world. They absolutely are, in my opinion, you know, I think they're the best organization in the NHL top to bottom. Uh, I mean, they're just successful every single year. And they just have, I mean, they have a great roster. And it's hard to not, I mean, in the sport of hockey, if you got a roster like they have, it's hard to not put up those numbers. But it finally looked like this year that Chicago was going to run out of steam. Uh, they had a good regular season. You know, they had a, a decent regular season. They made it into the playoffs, obviously. But I didn't really think this was going to be their year i thought chicago was finally going to go away but i mean they took care of a very good nashville team in the conference quarterfinals they swept the minnesota wild in four games and then in the conference final chicago took on an upstart anaheim ducks team which had my 
had my uh, signature next to as being the team that I thought was going to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. But in a seven-game series, which, by the way, if you're not a hockey fan, hopefully you're a sports fan if you're tuned in the sports segment, um, both the Eastern and Western Conference in hockey this year had seven-game series. In the Western Conference, it was Anaheim and Chicago, which was a great series. Um, game sevens weren't as great, but, I mean, Chicago and Anaheim, two really fun teams to watch, played great hockey on the other side in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning went seven games. And actually, Tampa Bay went into Madison Square Garden in Game 7 and picked up a huge victory. But, I mean, it sets the stage. Tampa Bay and Chicago. Uh, Tampa Bay out early right now, which is very exciting. Um, For me, as a hockey fan, I know it's not best for ratings. I know it's not best for business. But I always root for the small market teams in sports because it's, I mean, across all pro sports, really, it's always the big market teams that seem to be winning. And... You look at the NBA Finals this year, and it's exciting because you have Cleveland and Golden State, two teams that are not traditionally large market teams. But you look at the sport of hockey, and it's one of those sports that really has been growing. I think has had positive growth. I mean, we have our team here at the University of Colorado. They are a club team, but they've got a lot of attention. They've got a lot of talent on that roster. I think they're going to be absolutely great in the fall. I think they're going to be very good. I think they're going to turn some heads. But uh, hockey is one of those sports that in the state of Colorado with the Colorado Avalanche uh, in the 90s, 1996, when they came to Denver from Quebec, uh, it really, you can see the kids that grew up with hockey are, you know, really into it still. And it's fun because there are kids that are, you know, five, six years older than I am that they didn't really, they didn't grow up with, eh, maybe a little bit older than that, they didn't really grow up with the hockey and, you know, Stanley Cup playoff time comes around, and some people, casual fans, will watch it because playoff hockey is just hyperkinetic speed, hard hitting, great finesse plays, solid defense. It's just it's just fun to watch. Uh, and, and I will echo the same thing with the NBA Finals. I think playoff basketball is a lot better than regular season basketball. But, uh, you know, we don't ever you know get too deep into sports on this show, but I just want to say that I think it's really cool to have a small market team like the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on, you know, a big market team like the Chicago Blackhawks and to see that, you know, the on-ice product is there in small markets. And there's a lot of talent in the small markets. They might not have the support of, you know, the local fans. And that's not the case of Tampa Bay. The fans in Tampa Bay are great. But if you look down the street in Florida, you go look at the Florida Panthers, yikes, they have some big problems. And, yes, that is correct. There are two hockey teams in the state of Florida. Um, but, yeah, I mean, sports for me, it's always exciting. I know it's just a game, but you always, you know, have the, the storylines. And David versus Goliath is always a storyline that comes up, you know, during playoff time. There's always, you know, the, the big monster team and, like, the upstart team, you know, the young gun team. And there you go. That's probably going to be the, uh, the storyline here this year. All right. Well, it's been an hour of Joe, so uh, we're going to take a break. And when – Radio 1190 comes back. You will have Ice Cream Social, the comedy hour here on Radio 1190 KVC Bowler. Thanks for putting up with me for an hour. Uh, Hopefully I will have a co-host on Friday. I will say on Monday, Parker Davis will be joining me as well as Jared Brouch. I think Liam Comer should be here with me on Friday. Don't don't quote me on that, but I think Liam said he was available for Friday's show. So it will be Joe and Liam on Friday night. You're tuned into Radio 1190 KBCU Boulder. Thanks for a great hour, Boulder, and the metro Denver area. I'm off to go cook some dinner. 
And uh, again, that tornado warning in effect till 9 p.m. local time. So if you see uh, some ominous clouds up in the air or your pets are outside, uh, let them in. No one likes a wet pet because they smell terrible. This is Radio 1190 KVZU Bullet of the AM Revolution. This next track, all favorite. Oh, no, that's not it. Next track is Punch Drunk by Uncle Tupelo. It's a country song. Enjoy. Radio 1190 KVZU Bullet. <laughs> 